Welcome to Copy That Radio. I'm Seth Horst, retired law enforcement. And I am Jared Milkey, a retired firefighter. We started this podcast to tell the real stories of first responders to the general public. We believe there is a disconnect between what actually happens in the world of first responders and what the public perceives happens in the world of first responders. Jared and I are both full-time realtors here in the inland Northwest. And if you want to partner with us at eXp Realty, please shoot us a message. That's right. We currently serve the inland Northwest, but we can help you get started in real estate wherever you live. Now, here's a word from our sponsors. Thank you. Welcome to Copy That Radio. This show is sponsored by Patriot and Company. Patriot and Company is a veteran-owned, veteran and first responder-owned company that provides all natural soaps and beard care products. They have a men's line and a women's line. Seth, what's your favorite flavor? Hipster repellent. Hipster repellent is the anti-skinny jeans scent. There's plenty of other scents. Go get yourself some. Use the code copy that all caps, for 10% off anything on patriotandcompany.com. This show is also sponsored by ninjarub.com, which will take you to sierrawana.com, the parent company. Sierra Wana specializes in natural body care products using traditional methods of infusion, capitalizing on herb synergy. Uh, our personal favorite is Ninja Rub. One Ninja of Rub is the jam. It's the jam. Uh, we use it for all of our sports and jiu-jitsu related injuries. And for 15% off, use the code copy that all caps. All caps. Copy that at ninjarub.com. Boom. Yay! I'm still hot. I did jits this morning already. <sighs> Animal. Seth is currently Damn. taking his shirt off. We're live, Seth. Oh, good. I'm coming. One day, all of you listeners will be able to see us on YouTube. You'll see Seth do his thing. Take my shirt off? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not that great, <laughs> ladies. Ladies and men that identify as ladies. Eric's on three, right? So we'll you might not four. appreciate it. Kill that one. Okay, I think we're, we're up and running. Welcome. Hi, Jared. Hi. Uh, we have our friend Eric today. <laughs> Hi, Eric. Hey. Um Eric and I were just actually talking about before Jared was late, just for, for the record. Uh, before Jared showed up, we were kind of talking about, because um, he was mentioning he slept like shit last night. Um, oh, by the way, Eric, you can swear on here. It's totally cool. Oh, I'll try and keep it appropriate. <laughs> nah, no, 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 no. No one wants you to keep it appropriate. This is 100% um, inappropriate. Yeah, perfect. So, and Jared, I bet you can relate to this as well. So he was saying he slept like shit because he started thinking about stories and then his mind wouldn't stop. Need some calm ninja. And, yeah. Hit up, hit up our girl Sierra with uh, Sierra Wana. Get you some Calm Ninjas. Take She's care. Got of some good stuff. Yeah. She does. Have you yeah. tried the Calm one? The I have not. Sleep one? Oh nope. man, it, it, I haven't slept right my entire adult life until a few weeks ago when I started taking that. Yeah, yeah. game changer. Yeah, yeah. Huh. I took it last night. Slept like a baby. I have very vivid dreams on it though, um, but I still don't remember my dreams well. I don't but think I, it's like, from that. It's because yeah. you're sleeping well. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, that could be a problem for me. I don't want dreams. those vivid you don't want dreams because I remember them all. Oh, no, you know, yeah. I, I, I'm one of those that You're, I My I wife's like them. that. Yeah, and it drives me absolutely nuts. Yeah, I, I'm jealous, actually. I, wish I, I actually have know. recurring ones. So What's I've like, been having pretty much the same dream for most of my life. You, and it will just add on. Do you care to share? Can we share this? Oh, dude, it's evil. Well, that's it's okay. Just straight up evil. I mean, <laughs> well, now I'm really curious. <laughs> you can tell us later if you want. I know. Well, look, yeah, that, some Seth, people thought Seth. I was, I was, you know, I don't know. It was weird. It's, it's, it's a mess. So, so the first time that I actually remember having this dream, 
um, you know, I grew up in San Diego, San Diego, California. Oh, yeah. and, uh, of course, San Diego, like, else, like San Diego. And uh, I think I was probably six years old at, at the time. And, you know, my parents didn't let us watch any scary movies or anything. So, you know, Poltergeist was out during that mm-hmm. time. So that kind of messed with me, even though I never even saw it. And uh, I remember waking up in the middle of the night where I thought I woke up in the middle of the night and I was walking down our hallway and all of a sudden this ghost or this demon or something ran at me and knocked me down. Ooh. And I actually remember waking up at that point, getting up off the floor and going back to bed. So now I continue having the same dream, although I stay in bed now. I don't, I don't actually get up or sleepwalk or anything like that, but it continues on from there. So what happened after that one is after it had knocked me down, I went into the kitchen and now I'm seeing this little skeleton riding on this little tricycle, just going <laughs> around in circles in the kitchen, around and around and around and around. And every time I have that dream, there is something that has to do with what I saw when I was six years old to something new in my life that is wow. now associated with it. Wow. And I'll wake up screaming. You know, my wife has actually woken up, bef- woken me up before and be like, uh, are you okay? I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> so yeah, it just, Man, it's just I, some dark wow. stuff. I don't even know how to unpack that. I don't even know what that means. Just I don't, don't know. Not your job. Don't try. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I'm yeah, not qualified. I mean, to are do you that. a therapist? No, not at all. Cause, no, because I'm not. And uh, they're expensive. I've been to one a few times, but <laughs> yeah. I, I don't. Does that count? So let's talk about this. Eric, you are a first responder as well. Yep. How, how long have you been a first responder? 21 years. Dang. Has that affected or changed this dream at all? The things you see? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm pretty. I mean, shoot. How do you even? We're going dark. We're going dark right off the gate. <laughs> right off. You've the been gate. a firefighter, paramedic for <laughs> yep. 21 years. Uh, so I've been a paramedic for uh, five and a half years, but okay. I've been in the fire service for 21. So I started out in 1999. Um, I was still a punk kid then, trying to figure out what I wanted to do in my life, and you know, I had some experiences with you know, ex-girlfriends or just people that I knew. And, you know, they had family members that were in the fire service. Mm -hmm. But what hit me so much back then was, is I just had this need to, I just wanted to be a paramedic. I wanted to be an EMT. I wanted to work on an ambulance. I did not necessarily care for the fire side of things. Um, But I mean, you guys, you guys see me, I'm I'm short. I'm I'm not a large man. And so I was, well, I was constantly told that firemen you have to be six foot one you have to be this big burly dude and you will never make it as a fireman so don't even bother trying well that kind of just gave me motivation yeah Um, so I just kept it in the back of my head and I I ended up going to the county fair with all my thug friends at the time and they they had this booth set up the fire department did and started talking to one of the guys and he goes yeah you know there's no height requirement why don't you come in we'll do an interview you can volunteer for us and um you know, and then we'll put you through EMT school. It's like sold. Awesome. Um, so I did that for shoot. I was with them for six, seven years. I was a resident. I lived at the fire station. Um, well, we'll explain that. So was that down in California? No, that was up here. Okay. Yeah. I moved up here when I was 14. Okay, cool. All right. Yeah. Parents wanted to get us out of California for obvious reasons. Um, glad that they did it back then. And we actually came up to Coeur d'Alene when it wasn't cool to come to Coeur d'Alene. Mm-hmm. Um, good timing. And you know, when California money was worth a heck of a lot more than what it is now. So they just wanted to get us out of that whole area, put us into a small town and, um, kind of thrive. We had never even seen Coeur d'Alene. Oh, wow. So it was just pack your stuff up and awesome. And that's let's a go. Cool, that's a good adventure. Yeah. So, uh, you know, fast forward a little bit, uh, you know, I lived at the fire station. I was a resident for quite a few years and still is, working. Is that job. different than that's different than normal firefighter that goes for a 
48 hour shift or whatever. It is. You're, it is. You live there full time. You live there full time. Okay. And it's a way for you to get exposure because, especially if you want a career position. And not all departments do it. Um, it's like an is, internship. It's like an internship. And, you know, there, there really isn't a whole lot of departments that do that anymore, especially around here. I don't yeah. think there's any. I don't think anybody does it up uh, here right now. No, but it was a great opportunity for me because I, I was exposed to so much more. I was exposed to the duty crew. And I knew that that is what I wanted to do for my career. But it was difficult. You know, no matter what I did, I was I was still a punk kid. You know, I was hanging yeah. around the wrong crowd. I was doing all the wrong things. And I kept on asking myself, well, why can't I get that paid position? Well, it was because I was doing all the wrong things. Because you were being an asshole. I was being an asshole. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so did that for a while and went, you know what? I just, you know, I had, a, I had a captain at the time come up to me and he goes, look, you will never, ever be a paid firefighter. You might as well turn in your badge right now. Wow. And it hurt me. Like it devastated me because this is someone that I really respected. And I was like, fine. I'm done. So I turned into my badge to my lieutenant, who I had a lot of respect for, lots of tears, and I left. And I focused on my business at the time, which was doing floors. And got really successful doing that, but I was constantly being called back to the fire service. I needed to do something, whether it was volunteer or, or really go for that career position. And I was invited to be a volunteer for a small fire department, which I accepted. And within, I think, about a year and a half, um, I accepted a full-time position with them. And then just kept on going. So, but it wasn't until I actually cleaned up my shit, um, started doing the right thing. But an amazing woman uh, was raising her three kids plus my daughter from my previous marriage. So everything had to kind of line up perfectly. And a lot of it was me, mm-hmm. me figuring out how I'm supposed to be living my life. Um, and everything just got better from that point forward. How old were you at that point? Oh, man. Honestly, I'm not even sure. I think I think it was probably like 25 or 26. Because, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I, I was going down like dark road. I wonder if know? that's a common age. That's like when I got my shit together and actually that's got hired. That's very common it's in the like fire service. It's like a common age when your, yeah. your uh, frontal cortex actually forms and yeah. you start making good decisions in life. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that is true, yeah. Oh. <laughs> you guys are medics, not me. Fuck what I know. No, your, your brain's not fully developed until you're like 23, 24. Yeah. That's the... I'm actually, I'm, I'm no, 41 I'm and sure. I'm convinced that mine's still not there. I would um, agree with that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're kind of off. Yeah. So I, I have experience. I didn't do what you did, but our department, I'm from Central Florida. You don't know anything about me. I just realized that. Nope. They just met. You. We just met. Um, I was a firefighter for 14 years. Okay. Started right out of high school, like started volunteering right after I turned 18 and never left until we moved, we left the state. So, so you're already better than Seth then? Oh, yeah, way better. Okay. Yeah, I'm yeah. outnumbered here today. It's, yeah. it's mildly uncomfortable. Um, I've got a shotgun under the table just in case shit goes <laughs> crazy. <laughs> Stick my thumb in it and see what happens. Yeah. Um, um, one of you so, has probably seen that. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> I have. Our department had a program where kids, so our, in Florida, all the bigger counties have their own public safety training center. It's part of their vocational mm-hmm. school. Um, and ours had an agreement with our department. I worked for the county and kids could come go to the school because it, it's it's not hard to get in but there's a lot of demand for it down there because there's so many people in florida like to get into the fire mm-hmm. academy and you could live at the at our department while you were in fire standards so the kids would come to they would usually get assigned to a couple of our busier stations not all kids some were adults but the younger ones they were all complete assholes 
they would they would move there from somewhere else in the in the state live at the fire station for three or no sorry four or six months whether they were days or nights or whatever and almost all of them every time across the board was a complete asshole because because they were that younger goofy like yeah i'm badass i'm gonna do this kind of person and some of them were like you said they were doing the wrong things with the wrong people and our department's like yeah you're you're never gonna work here like not ever don't even apply (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. And they would they would take that hard, but I saw I did see I knew them later, and I saw a lot of them. They would go through that same process you did. They would figure out like, well, I shouldn't be doing this and this and this, um, and they would get hired somewhere else, like a neighboring department or another county or a city. And it might take a few years, but it was a very similar uh, process. Yeah, because I mean that's pretty much what you have to do is if you're you know you started out at a, as a department and they saw you as that piece of shit, right? you know, you have to move on to and, and start all over somewhere yeah. else. And, and that's what I did. And, you know, I actually even tried to go back. I, I tested with that department quite a few times and got pretty close, but you still had those certain individuals that could make the decisions that were holding on to what I mm-hmm. used to be as opposed to what I am now. Yeah. Um, you know, cause I wasn't one of those, those guys. I say guys because I didn't start going down that bad path until I was 18 years old. You know, I, I was raised right uh, my parents were together, middle-class Americans, like everything was right where it needed to be with the exception of being extremely sheltered. So mm-hmm. once I turned 18, my eyes were open to this big old world and I just dove into everything, everything mm-hmm. I could. And, um, you know, it just took me a while to get past that and, and realize that I could be a heck of a lot more than what I was doing. Yeah. And, you know, I came super close to you know, not having really any quality of life, you know, plenty of times I put myself in situations where, you know, if, if I would have got caught, I wouldn't even have, have had the opportunity to be a fireman. Oh yeah. You know? I was in the same boat. Yeah. Same so, here. so I just, I, I have spent pretty much, you know, my 18 and above just fighting for everything. You know, yeah. I, I wasn't handed anything. So I've had to fight for where I'm at now fighting for my business, you know, fighting for everything. And that's, kind of where i i have my pride you know i'm just sure that's awesome yeah yeah I w- if i hadn't started volunteering right away like right after i turned 18 i would have done the exact same thing you did yeah like yeah i mean i kind of did it to a li- like there's there were limits though because i was uh, already trying to become a firefighter mm-hmm. um but if i hadn't have started that way i would it would have been the exact same thing i would have been one of those asshole kids yeah so. oh what you i mean i was an asshole kid i just was friends with the f- department yeah. So I got a job right yeah. after I finished school. Well, what you find is, you know, you, the fire department is your, is your ground. You know, that's what's showing you what you can be mm-hmm. and what kind of life you can have while you're still being pulled by all these outside influences because that's what's cool. You know, it's mm-hmm. cool to be the bad boy. It's cool to get in trouble. It's cool to run with the wrong people and do drugs and everything else while you still have this other thing hanging over you that is actually your future. Mm-hmm. And so you're trying to find a way to, disconnect from all that and drive yourself in this direction but it's not easy especially in the fire service i mean it's hard to get a full-time position it's, and it took me a much long, harder now, long yeah. time and uh i mean my life wouldn't be the same without it yeah so. here's i have a funny like odd story it kind of fits a friend of mine that i graduated with his brother is a year or two older than us he was a firefighter at my department he went to another department later but the guy that I graduated with was trying, he tried to get hired with us for years and he was a good dude, like solid. He, I don't think he really partied or did anything obnoxious. He was just kind of, he was a 
surfer or is a surfer, just kind of like the surfer skater mentality. And that doesn't, depending on who the officers are, that may or may not go well with the department when you interview. But one of the, this was the, one of the deciding factors for multiple years when he applied. His email was wake pimp willy something something at whatever.com. And nope. they're just like, nope, not, not doing it. No. I, uh, I, w- I did background investigation for the last year, and you would routinely see that, that kind of nonsense. Yeah. Just stupid. E- and you're like, okay, I mean, you, you give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Maybe you've matured since that and for yeah. some reason haven't changed your email. But that, but that was that the deciding factor. They was like, he's yeah. all right. He's on, the, he's on the edge. But that email. No. Mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah, not a good choice. No. No. Not at all. And luckily for probably all of us, it was pre-social media days. It was. Uh, when yeah. we all got hired. So, um, yep. I think I probably would have been a game changer for me in in a negative way. Yeah. <laughs> he might, I don't think he listens to this, but if he does, I'll probably get a phone call. <laughs> That's why <laughs> it was a damn email. I would have changed it. I would, I would have told him if I didn't find that out until later, like after a couple rounds of hiring and he didn't get hired. One of the chiefs told me, but I would have told him if I knew, I was like, dude, just get a, get a different email. Yeah. We'll get a job. Yeah. <laughs> Those things are easy to get. I don't know. And free. Um, so did you, Eric, did you work in the rural areas most of your career? Yeah. Or city? Uh, no, mostly rural. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like uh, a whole different, I mean, they're two different games, huh? Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's different. Cause I mean, I mean, you're dealing with uh, a lot less staff, you know, it's just you and you and your partner trying to cover, you know, 83 square miles. Mm-hmm. And, you know, granted the call volume is significantly less, but you're exposed to, you know, the same kind of things, uh, with a lot less help. So, longer calls. Yeah. Longer calls. So I spent nine years, uh, at a smaller apartment. And I think at that time we were only running eight or 900 calls a year. Uh, so it was nothing significant, but we also covered a stretch of the highway that, you know, it, at that time was known to be one of the most deadliest stretches of highway. It was North 95 with, you know, you had the grade and everything else up mm-hmm. in the Silverwood area. Mm-hmm. And so we saw some pretty significant things and, you know, just me and one other person trying to deal with it until we have assistance from. Don't forget about the troopers that were probably there. Oh yeah. Trooping. Yeah. Yeah. They don't do a whole lot (laughs) on scene besides getting our way. And yell at you. (laughs) Move your engine. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Move your engine. We got to open this highway. Well, I'm sorry, sir, but um, we're trying to cut someone dead out of the vehicle. You know, thanks. Yeah. No, the car's still on fire. I'm not not moving. Can't you guys hurry that up? Yeah. I I always envision myself being one of those, like what you see on the videos of that person that's getting arrested by the firefighter getting arrested by the the firefighter getting arrested. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been me. Just for the record, that's really douchey. If anyone ever does that, (laughs) I've seen that happen. It's fucking stupid. It's all on the same team, people. The whole scene gets weird, dude. It does get weird. Fire guys are like, like you can tell there's like this close to throwing blows at the Mm -hmm. cop. Like I never, I never got that emotionally invested in a scene where I, I, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, do your thing. I'll, yeah. I'll fucking tell you guys what to do. Yeah. I block mean, we, the, block we the run road into too. it and we run into it. I mean, there, there's some officers out there that um, are a little abrasive, but all in all, we work with great people around here. Mm-hmm. Um, ISPSD uh, is primarily who I encounter in my district and they're all good people. Um, we're very fortunate to be in a community that respects law enforcement. Yeah. Um, and it shows uh, I mean, when something happens, it devastates this community. It, it comes together. So um, that's one of the reasons I love working in this area and living in this area is because we still have that old school respect, you know, especially for law enforcement and first responders. And, 
you know, it's getting worse for him. And if you just think about it, all the things that are happening lately, sure. it's just getting worse and worse and worse. I mean, shoot, I, like I said, I've been doing this 20 plus years and I've heard and seen more shootings in the last couple months than I have the entire 21 years. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's that's horrible. crazy, man. Um, I think that's, that's common everywhere. Crimes on the uptick across the country, yeah. especially violent crime. Cause people are just so angry and frustrated and yep. all this stuff going on. Um, yeah, I think that's it. They don't even realize necessarily, uh, you know, you can't pinpoint it, but I think you're right. People need a cause, and there's no good cause right now well, for them. Politically, I mean, one side's blaming right. an object, and the other side's not doing anything about anything. So so all that yeah. resentment and anger is yeah. getting reflected in increased crime. It's a bummer. It is, yeah. I think all the small towns, too. Like I noticed that here. We moved here because this was – this is – the Coeur d'Alene area is exactly like our hometown. Like the the downtown is on a lake. It's structured the same. Mm-hmm. Like the only difference is there's seasons and mountains here. Yeah. Um, and then we just decided to move here in 2012 and we didn't move here until 17. And in those five years, it definitely changed a little bit. Like it grew. Um, and then since we've lived here, it's been like all the stuff happened the last two years, COVID and all this crisis in the yeah. world and yeah, like since then it's it's like a thousand times worse than yeah. it was but all the crime i've noticed the big crimes none of them are people that live here they're from washington or spokane or montana or traveling mm-hmm. through a lot of the things like that have been really odd it's all that yeah it's like people that live here aren't doing anything different it's the people coming through here that are causing most of the problems yep blame it on the californians that's what everybody else does i i always tell people like um, the Californians that are moving here are either retired cops or retired firefighters, or they have a lot of money and they're probably not the ones doing all that. Yeah. No, they're not doing a lot, but there's no. a lot of, there's a lot of, I hear that a lot though. And yeah. other people coming well, into Californians Spok- into Spokane that, that, yes. that come over here and they don't live here. Um, you know, yeah. there's a rash of people getting roofied downtown like two years ago, the summer of COVID, yep. the first summer. No, none of like bars had to close early because that was happening so much, but none of those people were from here. Nope. The people that were all caught as part of that thing, none of them were from here. Yeah. I mean, even the m- most recent shootings or shooting, yeah. uh, which was just a few weeks ago. Oh, the one in Hayden? Uh, Hauser Lake. Oh, I didn't hear about uh, that. One. That wasn't even a, a local person. That was just some vagrant. Yeah. Um, I don't think I can say much more about that one because no. it was so recent. But yeah, it just it just proves that you know a lot of this stuff is coming from outside because um, people appreciate living here. You know, the ones that, especially the ones that have been here for a long time. I mean, this is their home. This is where you can find that peace and that American yeah. dream. Um, but it's being infiltrated, and it's not fun. No, I, I I see a lot of people come here to like and reflect on how healing it is. Um, uh, especially as a to live here, yeah. Oh yeah, as for a former sure. first responder. I mean, I, I I came here and yeah, I was transitioning out of being in law enforcement, but just weight lifting off my shoulders all the time. And like I feel very safe up here. My wife feels safe up here, even with the oh, it's definitely better than Florida or California. Yeah, or even Texas. with the uptick in crime here, it's nothing compared to a lot of the rest of the U.S. So yeah, if you're listening, yeah. we're not saying there's a lot of crime, but no. there was no crime. <laughs> now there's a little bit, and it's caused by people that aren't from here. So yep. Yeah, and it seems to be they keep it to themselves for the most part. I don't. Yeah, I, I, I could be wrong on that. I don't see a lot of like random acts of violence. I don't know. No, it's you can probably speak more on that. But um, so yeah, yeah, it's not bad. It's safe. It is safe. Um, you just find that random stuff that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. 
Because yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I work for a really busy department now. Um, you know, I know you guys have some firefighters listening, so they'll understand what I'm saying. But, you know, we run roughly 6,000 calls a year. Yeah. That doesn't sound like a lot to someone who works for New York City or, you know, California, where they have, you know, hundreds of stations. So then that call volume, there's, a, you know, a million a year or a couple hundred thousand. Well, that's split up between all those stations. We run 6,000 calls plus out of two stations. Yeah, that's wow. busy as shit. That's two stations. You guys, are, you guys are getting hammered. We get our butts kicked. Um, if you're on the engine, it's not so bad. Uh, but if you are a medic on an ambulance, that's good a luck trying to get life. any sleep in 48 hours. So I mean, you, it is it is miserable. You show up to work and you're ready to roll and you're going to be rolling the whole time. Oh, pretty yeah. Much. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, you can show up at 8 o'clock and, and find out that you're going to be doing a net transport down to Lewiston. So there goes eight hours of your day. Mm-hmm. You know, so, all right, see ya. I'm out. Drive down to Lewiston or wherever else they send you. And Should be a day of rest. Come back home. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and that's when you hope that they do it during the daytime. I mean, a lot of this stuff comes out at, at nighttime. It gives so. me an idea. Uh, apparently, there needs to be a better or bigger non-emergency transport company up here. Yeah. Yeah. We should talk about this. Yeah. Well, because I'm still on the job, um, you don't want to have my opinions on that. <laughs> <laughs> when, do you, when do you retire? <laughs> there could be a better way. Let's just put it that way. Right. It'd be a lot better way. But um, are you seeing, um, since you work in the world up here, are you seeing issues with catching up to the population increase? How's that affecting you guys? It's affecting our <coughs> fire district uh, more than it is anybody else. Um, we live in an area that is still very anti-tax. Uh, even though they they recognize the growth because you know Hayden and Rathrum is growing like crazy. I mean it's 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 pandemonium how quickly things are growing. Um, but the taxpayers don't want to pay anything more because they think that this they have this whole idea in their head that growth should pay for itself. Mm-hmm. That doesn't work for the fire departments. That's not how mm-hmm. it works. We're only able to collect an additional three percent per year, no matter how many people come into it. So if you're running significantly more calls, that means you need more staff, you need more stations, you need this, that, and the other. And the only way you can do that is go out for levies. Right. Well, levies require the taxpayers to pay a little bit extra every year to help support this, you know, this growth. And we have tried, I think we just tried our fourth time and it failed yet again because we just can't get the voters out there to support us. But yet... Those are the ones that complain when it takes us too long to get there or they're being serviced by another agency who had to come up because we're busy on other calls or they're waiting too long for an ambulance because the ambulance is stuck down in Lewiston or in Spokane or Shoshone on a non-emergency transport. So it has all these things uh, making it a bigger issue than what it has to be if we would just gain local support. In, in education, that's that's the other big one is education because these people just don't understand how fire districts work. That's that brings up a good point. I've thought about uh, running or becoming a, an elected member of a fire district or a board, like a fire commissioner. Fire commissioner. I mean, yeah, they're called different things in different yeah. places, but yeah, that's what they are here. That's on my list of things to do um, because I I see that we watched it happen in, at home, like all over Florida, with the growth the last twenty years. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing, like understaffed departments just getting hammered and people, our department, um, it's an assessment in our county. It could be, it's different county by county in Florida, but you have, a, you pay an annual fire assessment. There's a flat rate for residents and flat rate for commercial, right? And it's like $185. Yeah. 
covers all like full service fire technical rescue hazmat mm-hmm. like everything's in, everything's covered by that one fee that's the only funding we get unless we get some kind of federal grant from homeland or something for equipment um and to raise that fee like five or ten dollars it's like you were trying to kill people's children right yep no oh, taxes taxes it's not it's not a tax there's there's two guys on a truck some mm-hmm. like we, the station's running three thousand calls a year two people like that this is not survivable like you people citizens are actually dying and being hurt because of this like, yeah there's no units there's no staffing there's no equipment when they need it and you're you're complaining about five dollars like yeah there's no this, this does not work compute in my brain bro that's like a pack of cigarettes come on yeah right five dollars a year like <laughs> from 185 to 190 yeah a year uh, people but part of the problem is you know, when you're when you're in the fire service, you become very good at improvising. So yeah. the public doesn't understand the challenges that you face. They just care that you're there to help them in any way. And we're really good at making do with what we have. But it's not ideal because, I mean, it puts us at a higher risk. It, you know, takes us longer to get there. It, it affects your patient outcomes. It has all these negative things. But to the general public, they're like, oh, they did a great job. It's like, mm. well, you have no idea oh, how no. much better it could have been. You know, we're the ones kicking ourselves in the ass going, man, you know, if we would have just had one more person on that structure fire, if we would have just had one more person helping us do CPR, the outcome could have been better. But we don't have the power to change that. That goes to the taxpayers. Right. And so it's just a tough situation to be in. Because um, what we're seeing in our department primarily is is the morale is, is completely oh, changed. And a shitter. lot of that's COVID. You know, COVID is definitely... Uh, impacted us heavily. Um, it's actually caused a, a really good division, not really good, a really horrible division in the fire service. You mean clear, a clear division? Clear division, because you have, you know, those that are leaning to the left and those that are leaning to the right. And so these are the people that you work with day in and day out. And everybody has their own strong opinions about everything. So you're no longer this cohesive family. Mm. because opinions and and your ideals of politics or everything else has um, overcome your ability to look at someone as a brother. You know, that, that whole brotherhood thing has been out the door. That's a problem. And it's a big problem. Um, so morale is, is a killer of any fire department. It's a killer of a career. You know, you, you start looking at, at a, as a job instead of a career when, I mean, shoot, when I tested for positions, I was going against thousands of people that yeah. just wanted that fire job. I mean, everybody wanted it. That's like the golden the golden career. Once you do it so long, and especially during these times, it's like, man, how do I get out? Mm-hmm. We hear that a lot right yeah. now from all types yeah, we, of we get first responders. messages and calls every week. Guys yeah. asking us, like, how do I do it? What do I do? Tell me what to do. Like, And this is, I mean... This is going to be a big problem in five years, ten years. Yeah, like that's massive. Everybody problem. wants to get out. The people that I uh, I worked for the C8 California Highway Patrol, and I just talked to a guy in backgrounds down there, and they had three hundred applicants for just one division uh, for the quarter, and that like out of that many, you might hire two or three. Yep. Like that's probably generous, and that's all they got. And yep. we're we got people retiring constantly. Um, so it's not sustainable. That's going to yeah. be a huge problem. And I imagine it's like that everywhere. I like, I'm, it's kind of like, you know, in five years, no one's coming 
Yeah. It's going to be up to you. Yeah. Hope, well, that's the thing. You have to hope that like over time the political climate will change and people will want to come back to it or it'll be viewed as yes. a it'll have to, or desirable profession again. Um, if not, it's going to be it's going to be bad. There's a whole group of people that believe this was all intentional, by the way, but that's an, we can't talk about that. <laughs> talk about that here. I mean, it's such a bummer, though. Like, like, like you, Eric, like I fought to get that job. Yeah. You did too. Like everybody did at that time. Oh, yeah. You would I we all gave up so much to oh, do yeah. it. And it Absolutely. was fucking miserable and you dealt with it and you get where you wanted to be. And then to have a turnaround and you know, and be like, ah, how do I get out? Yeah. And yeah. I mean I mean, to be honest, it it takes care of me and my family. Yeah. You know, I I I am very grateful that I was given the opportunity um to serve in my position and do what I had always wanted to do. Um, but the climate has changed to where you have to change or adapt or whatever you want to call it. And although the fire service is providing for me and my family, it's affecting you mentally. Uh, mm-hmm. you're, you're no longer wanting to go to work because you just don't want to deal with the things that you deal with and you don't want to see the things you see. Um, it, it's no longer that exciting place to be. And so you're just trying to go through the motions um, because nothing will take away the fact that I love being a paramedic. I, I thrive on helping people. Um, I, I just love it. You know, my, my most favorite thing to do is to be in the back of an ambulance with, you know, 80 year old grandma and just sitting there holding her hand and taking care of her. I, I love that stuff. That is my favorite thing to do. I would take that over a really good traumatic call or something that you can talk about to all your friends. I, I like being that caregiver. Yeah. Um, but you don't get those opportunities much anymore. What you're mostly dealing with is all the political aspect of everything. And you're just trying to keep yourself sane. You know, we have enough things that we're dealing with. We have all our demons in our head, all the calls that we think, all the messed up stuff that we've seen. And you just want to focus on what you originally fell in love with, with the job, which is taking care of people, doing cool stuff. And that it's hard to find that happy medium now. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's what drew me to the job is like, I, I love helping people. I, I hated writing tickets you're helping people kind of in a back way route, but helping people on the side of the road that were like stuck, you know, putting yeah. chains on somebody's car cause they're old and they couldn't do it or changing a tire for someone that like legitimately couldn't do it. Not yeah, just cause just, they didn't know just being of service. Right. Like that, that there was so much value in that and, and it felt really good. I loved that side of it. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's, it's a noble career still. And I definitely am also grateful that, you know, I have all of those memories and then the exciting stuff too, like you, you, you got to bear witness to shit that people would never ever see. You know, yeah, most people shouldn't see those things either. No. But well, well, some good and some bad. I mean, I'm you know, in my own mind, I, I, I've watched the streets of Oakland burn in a riot, and it, and then, yeah, it's kind of shitty. But at the same time, you're like, it's fucking epic. Yeah, it's epic <laughs> because it's a moment in history that it like, is. not many people get to witness. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's not saying that it's good to no. Burn don't cities don't down. do that. You're an asshole if you do that. <laughs> no, but there's certain things that you go on. I agree. Same with disasters. Yes. That I mean, that's what you were designed to do. I mean, right. that, that's the reason that you were there. I mean, your your average person isn't gonna gonna say, "Hey, you know what? I want to deal with dead bodies on a regular basis." Yeah. That's part of our job. I mean, that that's probably why a lot of us are so desensitized to life is because of the things that we see but your average person never sees one dead body their entire life where 
we see them so regularly that we don't even think about it anymore. Yeah. You know, it's only those really traumatic ones, you know, especially with pediatrics or, or just, you know, drunk drivers that have just taken out an entire family. Those are the ones that, you know, hurt you to your core. Those are the ones that you don't forget about. Um, but then there's also the good things that you do, you know, delivering babies or, you know, just helping grandma out. I mean, there's just not enough of the positive things to outweigh all the negative things. And then when you start coupling in all the political aspect of it all, uh, it just gets pretty demoralizing. Yeah. So I think we've touched on this a lot on the show. I don't know if you've listened at all or not, but um, we've talked about several things around this. One of them is um, having a, a different structure of law enforcement or fire service, like overall not doing a 25 or 30 year pension mm-hmm. um like maybe 10 or 15 years and then there's a transition out like what the military sh- is supposed to have they don't really have it either it's kind of crappy from what I, we understand but maybe that's an option and then the other side is like you have to you have to give the people that are doing it a something that makes all those things worth staying even if it is only 10 or 15 years yeah. like you, it has to be worth it like there used to be a, a good pension and benefits now, most places, benefits are not included with that, like after you retire. Mm-hmm. All your health issues and all the stuff you sustained from your work in most states isn't, like you don't get post-retirement benefits at, at all. Yeah. Um, and now, in addition to that not being part of it, pensions are also going away. Yeah. Like most pension funds are no longer pensions. They're pushing people into um, the market, into IRAs or some other yep. investment option. Would, if, if that's all I'm getting, I might as well do something else. Yeah. Like that's not like there's no, there's nothing to me that's worth all those years of trauma and all, like I still don't sleep well. I've been gone for eight years and I still can't sleep without yep. help. Like I just can't. Yeah. I spent so many nights up all night at busy stations getting up, getting hammered, like two hours mm-hmm. of sleep, wake up, an hour of sleep, wake up. I just my entire adult life from 18 to 32 was like that and I still can't sleep. Have yeah. um have you Eric in your time seen a good shift towards uh like taking care of the mental health of that comes up a lot in our podcast I mean because it's a big deal um like when you started did it have that so for myself I started and it had that there was that cowboy mentality of like you're fucking fine yeah you just saw whatever but deal with it and then towards the end I started to kind of see you know critical incident debriefs things like that sort of they weren't quite doing them right but there was start starting to are you seeing any of that Uh, very small um so it's there it's available uh you have the the ability to reach out for help however uh in this area or at least um you know in my fire district you have to ask um we run some pretty messed up calls and and they're usually late to recognizing that someone might need help mm. and by that time it's too late so i know they're they're trying to make an active effort into really promoting that kind of support but you still have a lot of the old ideology which is you know bury it deep down you know it's safe there and you know this is just what we do so suck it up um so yeah, it. I wish there was an easy way to really answer that one, but from what I've seen, it's not where it needs to be mm-hmm. in this area. From what I've seen, um, but you know, someone else might have a different opinion. Yeah, I, I 
like me personally, 14 years, I only ever had one critical incident debrief after a shooting. And it was actually, I didn't want to go, but it was really beneficial. Um, but then after that, you know, however many fatal crashes, fires that burned down whole towns and my house and all my friends' houses, like all of that shit. And there was no, yeah, it was available. The little sticker or was on the wall of the phone number you call, but by God, if anybody's looking, when you grab that off there, yeah, <laughs> you know, that stigma is, is there and it sucks and it's stupid. Yeah. Um, I, I think it, you know, I got treatment on my own, uh, through insurance, but I did it on my own outside of work and, um, it was super helpful. So I always tell people like, go yeah. talk. Well, you don't, you don't realize how much it impacts you until it's too late. No. When you're telling um, your therapist and then she's crying and you're like, oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because at so the am moment, I, am I supposed to be crying yeah, right now? Right? <laughs> I mean, at the moment you're like, okay, this was really, this was a really horrible thing that I saw. I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. And so you just do whatever you can to stop thinking about it. And unfortunately in the fire service, uh, for anybody who doesn't understand how things work is, uh, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Um, so I was about a year, a year into being a paramedic and, you know, I went on what I describe as the worst call of my career. Um, try and hold it together on this one. Um, it's all good, man. And, uh, so I'm a, I'm a fairly new medic and, you know, but I've been in the fire service for a long time and I've seen a lot of, a lot of bad things, but you know, we get dispatched to a pediatric cardiac arrest and, you know, it's game on at that point. Cause you don't know what you're walking into. All you know is that you have a three-year-old girl that is not breathing and is dying. So, you know, you pull up on scene and, uh, the first thing you see is this, you know, cute little three-year-old girl with, with pigtails laying on the floor and, you know, someone's doing kind of chest compressions and, and you know, things serious, you know, this, this is not a good situation. So, you know, the first thing I do is I, I, I grab her up and I start doing compressions while I'm running with her to the ambulance because I recognize I need to get her in the back of my ambulance because that's where all my stuff is to even give this kid a chance. I don't know anything about what's going on with the scene. I don't know why she's in cardiac arrest. I don't, I know nothing at this point. All I know is I have this little girl in my arms. She's not breathing. She's pulseless. Everything's not good. And, uh, get her in the ambulance and I start working her and, um, you know, everything's going right. You know, we end up getting pulses back. Uh, we end up tubing her, um, intubating her. Everything went really good there. And, you know, we start transporting and we're like, you know what? I think, I think we have a shot here. We just, we just sh saved this little girl. We get out of the hospital, turn her over. Everything's still looking good. And, you know, we get notified very recently that, you know, sorry guys, she passed. This was traumatic brain injury. It was an abuse case. There's nothing more devastating than having to deal with a kid, um, especially an, an innocent kid, especially in those, for those reasons, right? So you deal with that kind of stuff and you try and hold yourself together and you're talking with your crew and, and you know, cause that's what you do is you talk among your crew members who were, who were involved in that call and you almost feel like, okay, this is good enough. This is how I'm working things out. And as soon as you start to heal or at least bury it down to where you don't think about it anymore, now all of a sudden you're being summoned, summoned to testify in court. Mm -hmm. So now you're having to bring up all those memories again in detail. You're having to go down there and look at coroner reports and seeing pictures of this girl that you can't get out of your head anyway. I still see her to this day. I mean, she was just her pigtails that she was wearing just drive me 
just make me want to lose my mind. Um, and this goes on for years until they finally are finished with the court system. And then you can actually start your healing process. And that is what is so unfair about what we do is we're not given the ability to actually heal until years later. And by that time, the damage is done. And, you know, honestly, in, in what we do, it's those kind of calls that just eat us alive. Everything else that we see, you know, the, the constant cardiac arrest on adult people that we go on, the traumatic injuries, those type of things, they kind of just blend together. You know, they say that what we do is, is never the same, but they're similar. So you can blend those together and, and it just becomes part of the job. But when it comes to kids, those just, those mess you up, man. They just mess you up bad. Most definitely. So, yeah. I think a lot of places, like my department, we had a, there was a county approved, I don't know, psychologist, shrink, shrink psychiatrist, whatever whatever the person was, counselor, that you could go to. It was, it was well, first you had to, like, it's, it's daunting because you have to, go to HR and say, I need this. And then you're wondering like, shit, are they going to be questioning my ability to work? Mm -hmm. It's going to put me on some bad list or I could lose my job. And is that just like a, but clerical person in HR? So they they don't know. Request it from them. And then, and then it's one person. It doesn't like, that doesn't mean that person's qualified to deal with Mm -hmm. what I need to talk about. Like, I don't, I don't know. And I know people that went to that person through our County and they were like, uh, that was worthless. It was completely pointless. Because if, if you're not, if that person isn't versed and trained on how to process what we're mm-hmm. talking about, like like you said, they might just sit there and cry and be like, what the, f- yeah. the fuck's going on here? And, the, and um, they recognize that as a problem um, within the fire services. You know, they have definitely made some really good improvements towards that kind of support where if you make that phone call, you are set up with somebody who is a retired firefighter or retired first that's responder. Awesome. So they actually understand what you're going through. And, and that's something that they, like I said, worked really hard to accomplish over the years. Um, I have yet to test that out. Um, Cause honestly, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to experience anything as worse, you know, worse than what I already yeah. have in, in 21 years. I don't, I don't think they necessarily have to have our background, but they need to know how to, how to process and manage our yep. type, our type of trauma. That's yep. different than, what they may have done before right. or their experience. And we only had that one option. If you tried to go outside of that, you couldn't. Yep. So that, that was a thing back then. And I'm sure it's not much different from what I understand. I, I still talk to my guys. Um, like you, you have to seek it on your own, pay for it out of pocket. Like it's not covered by anything. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's just a daunting thing. Like you, you don't know yeah. what's going to happen. If is it going to be worth all this money? Is it not? Man, like, Florida is so backwards. It is, yeah. God dang. Well, it's different. This department is county by county or city by city. It's yeah. not, there's not like a state standard. Um, if you work for the state specifically, it might be different. They've, so the last few years, I know they passed a bunch of legislation down there to help first responders, and mental health stuff is part of it. But that doesn't mean every city and every county is is implementing all of those things. So, um, uh, like, I, I post-service, I sought my own help through coaching and counseling and stuff like Seth did, too. Um, there just wasn't anything. I, I don't know. I, I remember calls just like you, like kids, babies, all that stuff. There was, you remember Chris we had on the show a few weeks ago mm-hmm. <clears throat> talking about that big propane fire? Yeah. He was my battalion chief um, before I got promoted. And he, we had this call. I don't think I've talked about this one yet. We, this is, mom was out partying, young parents. 
dad was home with the baby like a one-year-old kid just i don't don't know if he was on drugs or got drunk or what there's something weird going on but he fell asleep with the baby in bed rolled over and smothered the baby on accident right and that station i was at was out in the sticks at the time we had we have a big county it's like 1100 square miles and some of our stations are way out there so i i worked i rode into the hospital working this kid for like 25 minutes just doing compressions we did everything we could kid was long dead but and then just the way our department worked there was no like three or four weeks later my chris my chief came he's like hey i just heard about that baby you guys ran a couple weeks ago why don't you tell me about it and i was just like why would i tell you about another dead kid from three weeks ago i I have no reason to tell you that it doesn't do anything for me or you or anybody else like why would i tell you that and he was mad that i didn't tell him he's like well you all right i was like yeah i mean at this point it's just like all the other ones yeah I'm, i'm all right as i can be it's going in the file with all the other kids like it's just why would i tell you about it yeah he was mad at me but I, but I there's str- no reason. There was no reason for me to say anything. Yeah. I struggled with, um, <laughs> I would like apologize to my therapist when I was done. Cause I, I like, I like legitimately felt bad. I'm like, I hate dumping that mm-hmm. on someone else. I mean, you can talk about it with the guys cause they were there and, and that felt safe, but like, you don't want to go home and you don't want to dump it on your wife. Oh, right? absolutely. No, no. no. <laughs> so yeah, was, that's a weird feeling too. Is like, I feel like I need to hold on to this shit cause you don't want to handle it. I don't want anyone to handle it. Yeah. yeah, fucking sucks. That's that helper mentality, I, th- I guess, is you don't want to put that on. Yeah, why else. would I burden my wife? Like, right. actually, listening to some of these shows is the first time she's ever heard my stories. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not just not going to tell them. Why would I come home and tell her that shit? Yeah. I, yeah, I, I would get share my some. wife bits and pieces. Right. Yeah, like, we yeah. did. We had bits this bad call or whatever. Yep. But I don't go into details. Or Yeah, but she, you know, over the years, she, she recognizes when it's a bad shift for me. Because um, I'm a very busy person. Uh, right. yeah, it doesn't matter if I'm up for 48 hours on shift. Guess what? When I'm getting off at 0800, I'm in my office the rest of the day. Um, I'm doing something business. I'm, I'm teaching jujitsu. I'm doing something. I don't really get that downtime like what most people do. Right. And she knows that if if I go home and I go to sleep, yeah, something's wrong. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. Or if I am just distant, she knows something's wrong. Um but I'm not going to tell her the kind of crap that mm. I see. Yeah. And, and a lot of it is, you know, just run of the mill stuff, but it still eats at you. It's just, you're just seeing the, the same crap over and over and over again. It just wears on you. So, you know, luckily, you know, we've been married for quite some time and she, she recognizes when it's been rough for me and leaves me alone. <laughs> it, yeah. uh, I can say from experience now, like when, t- as time passes between doing the job, like it, it the healing does happen and you'll, you'll still hold on to, you know, those few things that'll, but it's not like, it doesn't gnaw at me anymore. I just can like picture it in my mind and be like, okay, cool. That happened, whatever. And then move on. But yeah, like time heals it yeah. for me at least. It's been good. Yeah. Well, you also, I mean, you, you sought therapy around it too. That's, I did. I mean, yeah. If you would just let time be the only thing, it, I don't think it would be the same. Maybe not. I'll let you know. Yeah. All right. <laughs> You'll be the guinea pig. I'll let you know. Are you retired? <laughs> no. About no. to? Uh, so technically I have 11 years to reach my rule of 80, mm. um, but I'm hoping to be out in less than five. Good. Yep. That's public. They know that. Well, I mean, it's going to be now. It's common knowledge. They yeah. they know I own a business and they know I'm working really hard towards that. So, 
Ooh, can, yeah, we, can we talk about that? Yeah, let's Absolutely. shift gears. Yeah, let's shift gears. gears. I know. Let's <clears throat> shift from all this dark there, stuff. There's man. a. Uh, you know what? That was like Palms I feel are all like sweating. I'm, my heart rate's jacked. <laughs> I bet we're, we're all wiping our fucking hands. I know. Natural. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, we should I'm have towels. Thinking about doing this yep. shit right now. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, anyway, shifting gears. Okay. Uh, yeah. Tell us about. Is your there coffee out there? Did you make coffee? No, I didn't make coffee. Damn. I didn't want any coffee. So you didn't want any making? That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I'm Next bu- time, my bulletproof coffee this morning. I'm nice, golden, dude. golden. Good stuff. Um, you and Dave Asprey are buddies. No, 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 no. This is just a modified thing. You know? yeah, <laughs> modified. Do my own thing. Yeah. So yeah, tell us about your business. Like, how did you get the idea, and what do you do? Can we can I we do. name it too? It'd be good. We got a few oh, yeah. people listen around. Good. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Let's promote it. Um, so let's see, where can I really start with this whole thing? I, I've always been one of those people that had to be doing something other than the fire service, but I always tried to uh, make a similar, you know, a, a same skill. So I mean, take for instance, when I was working for uh, a smaller department, uh, I worked two part-time jobs, one at MedStar, which was air medical and ground for critical care. And then I also worked for AMR, which, you know, has an EMT. Mm, um, but this was all while I was going through paramedic school so that I could pay for it because it was expensive, right? That's a lot to manage. A lot to manage, but that's that's kind of how I'm wired because I like to be busy. Um, it, it's, it's a fault of mine that I feel like the one thing that I'm truly good at is work uh, and making money. Now, unfortunately, over the years, I've learned that I've sacrificed a lot of my time with my kids for that. But that's a whole nother story. And I love my kids. My kids are awesome. So anyway, (laughs) but I've always had this this idea where, you know, I I just didn't want to settle for the fire service being my only out, uh, my only retirement plan. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to break that cycle of middle class and and hopefully improve on that. Um, and leave something for my kids, especially. And so I got really tired of working all these part-time jobs for other people, making them a bunch of money. And, um, but it actually is what boosted me into having my own business because, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, I was invited to work as a paramedic out at Gaza Ranch and Gaza Ranch is an exclusive members club. Um, I mean, this is where they bring in all the celebrities and extremely wealthy people. And that's where their summer, summer home is. And they wanted these advanced paramedics to be out there to do clinical stuff, uh, be on property since it is a little remote, and manage any emergency scene. Uh, however, you can do that with one person. I don't know. Uh, but I found out very quickly that our primary job was doing IV vitamin infusions. But they were just doing them for a specific reason, which was the hangover crowd. I mean, these people <laughs> love to drink. So Yeah, I have some training clients. Yeah. There. So, I mean, it was extremely effective for these people because they just want to be boosted with vitamins and get rid of that hangover so they can continue drinking the rest of the day. And so I started really looking into this whole thing and going, you know, there's something to this. Um, and I'm looking around the area. I'm like, there's not a whole lot in the area. Um, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it right. So... I reached out to uh, my best friend. I call him my best friend. Um, We were friends before he became my chief. Uh, I have a lot of respect for him. And I pitched it to him. I said, look, this is what I want to do. What do you think? He goes, I'm in. Let's do it. I said, okay, well, we need a medical director. And so we reached out to Doug. And he goes, yep, heck yeah, I'm in. In fact, I already have an office, and you guys are more than welcome to use it. Perfect. So then everything kind of started evolving from there. Okay, well, this is for the hangover crowd. What can we do for general health and wellness? What can we do for cancer, Lyme disease? Uh, What can we do for COVID? Um, And it just evolved into um, 
we are just the go-to place for vitamin infusions for just about everything. Now, I have to put that little disclaimer out there. We do not cure, diagnose anything because I don't want the FDA shutting us down. Uh, uh, coming back up, Doug is your medical director. Yes. He's a doctor that has his yes. own practice. Correct. Yep. Uh, because you are required to have that when you right. have a business like ours because you are still uh, getting prescription medications or not necessarily medications, uh, but they're coming from compounding pharmacies, all right. these vitamins and coenzymes and everything. So it's required. Um, but I actually brought him on as a business partner as well. So there's three of us. Well, we became very successful with what we were doing, um, you know, because we really hit that personal connection with people. And we made it very clear that, you know, we're not trying to cure you. We're no. giving your body the ability to do it itself. And the way you do that is by providing the right nutrients. I mean, we all know that if you take a peach from 30 years ago and compare it to one today, the nutrient density of it is, I mean, it's just a vast difference. I mean, you are not getting nearly enough nutrients in our food nowadays. So that's why IV therapy comes into play because now we're boosting those vitamin levels and we're getting you above where you really need to be. So it's that immediate gratification. You know, you get an infusion and you walk out and you just feel amazing because your body's like, oh my God, this is, this is incredible. I haven't had this, these many things in me. And we're finding that as we go along, it's, you know, we, we can't really use the word treat, but we are, we are helping people deal with whatever issue that they're having. And it's only because we're allowing their body um, what it needs to fight stuff well we opened shop uh two months before COVID hit so we were a little scared like shoot we should really worry about this but we were very fortunate in knowing that our business was um considered uh essential so while the rest of the office that we were in had to shut down because they were aesthetic based we were able to remain open and we just started seeing more and more people that did not want to go to Western medicine for their COVID symptoms, but they wanted to come to us and see if they could help themselves naturally with, you know, vitamin C, zinc, and B-complexes and things of that nature. And it went really well. Um, and then we started going off onto the house call stuff for those that couldn't come into the office, and we were helping them there. And, I mean, now we... I mean, we have over 600 clients. We have our own office now, uh, paid a designer, and she just made it beautiful. And it's just becoming this, this almost baby of mine that is going to allow me to get out of the fire service so that I can save save myself. <laughs> that is so freaking awesome. Good for you, man. Yes. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. So it's IV Envy. Um, social media is IV Envy CDA, uh, located here in Coeur d'Alene. Uh, we are the only infusion and injection place, um, so we really don't have any competition. Um, people, I thought, I, I thought I saw another one. People say that we have competition, but what we look at as competition is someone that is doing what we're doing, mm -hmm. and there isn't anybody. There is aesthetic offices that happen to do hydration therapy. Mm -hmm. There is naturopaths that do their infusions from kits. We are significantly more than that. Um, we have a true FDA compliant clean room. Everything is done under a class five hood system. We are truly compounding, uh, these nutrients into a bag at a very high degree. Um, most places around here that you consider like a hydration bar, mm -hmm. they're doing four to five different nutrients, putting them in a bag, but they're grabbing them from a kit or just mixing them themselves, not under a hood system. And they call it good. We have over 30 different 
nutrients, whether it's, you know, your B complexes, your coenzymes, NAD, poly MVA, basically everything that can target just about every kind of system of your body. Um, and we all do it in the safest way that we can, because we technically didn't need to invest a bunch of money into this clean room, but we know eventually the FDA is going to come in and start regulating this stuff. And we wanted to be the only ones that went, Hey, see ya. We're good. We're good. Good for you, man. We're good. And you know, I mean, it also also raises the, the level of safety too, and it looks pretty. And so, yeah, that's where we're at. And I, I love what I do because it's, it's, I get to do some very similar things to, to what I do as a paramedic. I, I do IVs, I draw meds and they're actually vitamins. Um, so it, it ties right into me still being able to use my skill set. but at least every time I go into the office, I know that I'm helping somebody instead of seeing horrible things. Yeah. You know, so it, I mean, we're thriving. Uh, we love what we do and I think it's just going to lead me to having a much more fruitful life. Heck yeah. It yeah. will. I love hearing it because yeah. there's, a t- I mean, like we talked about earlier, there's so many people out there that are like, what do I do? I don't have any skills. And we're like, you got freaking skills. Look at that. There's a paramedic using the uh, IV skills and building a freaking awesome business out of it. Yeah. It's so cool. There's, I would say there's, I don't want to like burst somebody's bubble out there, but most paramedics don't have that drive or that mindset to start, Ooh, yeah, to start right. a business. Yeah, we glossed over. There's a yeah. shit ton of work that goes yeah. into that. Yeah. that Eric, doing. Eric's built different to think like that and yeah. Yeah. make that happen. I've heard that before. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because you guys, like, I actually haven't been into your place, but I've seen the pictures and it's freaking beautiful. Like, Thank you. Yeah, you, like, nailed it. I mean, so a lot of people Thank might, you. you can't skimp on that. Well, what's even more important about it is we have yet to go out for any loans. We do not have any investors. That's Everything awesome. that we have built has been off of cash. Good for you. And and this is going from starting off between the three partners. We all put in like roughly $3,000 of our own personal money. Freaking and, badass. Uh, yeah. Now we're, now we're killing it. <laughs> but I, I mean, that's the advantage that we have too is, you know, we all have great jobs that support us. You know, we don't need this business, mm-hmm. but we want this business. And so it could shut, we could shut our doors tomorrow and we still have, are the rest of our lives taken care of from our other good jobs. Um, and that's, I, I think why people appreciate coming to us because it's not about money for us. Um, we just want to help people. Mm-hmm. And this is a fun way to do it. That doesn't naturally. And there's a lot of people that have lost all faith in Western medicine. And I'm not saying that Western medicine is horrible because it definitely has its place. But if we would just take care of ourselves we wouldn't have to deal with things like diabetes, hypertension, cardiac issues, but it all starts with you having a good diet, giving your body the nutrients that it needs. Sleep. Yeah, sleep. Sleep, exactly. So that's pretty much how we form things is under the idea that if you just start as soon as you can taking care of yourself, you're going to set yourself up for a better chance to avoid some of those chronic illnesses that are out there. And what we do is, is so much better than popping pills every morning because, yeah. you know, we all know 25% of what you put through your mouth is actually only reaching your system. So, I mean, if you're taking a thousand milligrams of vitamin C, well, 25% of that is what, <laughs> you know, right. not a whole heck of a lot. 250. Yeah. 250. I can do, I, I, I can you do know, I, wanted to, I wanted to test you on that. Does, uh, does that apply to whiskey as well? The 25%? Uh, I do not no, believe not so. <laughs> okay. All right. I, I would hope not. Put it out there. Yeah. I would I hope know. not. So, um, we have the advantage that we completely bypass your GI system. 
So what you're getting from us is always 100%. It is not being stopped by anything. I it guess, like, do you think awesome. people, some people might not know, like, what's the process? The process is, is, uh, you know, we have some signature infusions that, you know, are, are just our basic ingredients, um, all targeting different things and some of them targeting multiple things. Um, but the whole process starts with you coming in. We, we do a quick guest intake with you, find out if you're dealing with anything specific, and then we tailor that infusion for what you hope to desire out of it. Uh, mix the bag up. We put a small IV in your arm, um, pretty much painless. I mean, it's, it's no worse than getting, you know, an injection in your arm. Uh, if you have tattoos, then it's definitely a lot easier than that. And you sit there for 45 minutes to an hour and, you know, fall asleep. You know, we have comfy recliners. We make it really comfortable for people. And when you leave, you feel amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. I need to come in and try it. Yeah, me I actually too. Have it. My wife's done it a few times, but I have not. I mean, how do you think I look so young? Uh, you do look really young. Yeah. 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 I need that in my life. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need Botox when you have infusions. Do you, uh, Can you slip a little testosterone into the bag? Is that... Thing. No. Not in the back. You, no, okay. you, you heard? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I got tested recently. I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Ben's pretty solid yeah. right now. Yeah. Good. Good to hear. Now that I'm cleaning up my sleep, it's going to get better, too. It is going to get better. That's going to yeah. help a lot. Hey, we have infusions for that, too. For sleep? Yep. Oh, dude. Oh, dude. I'm. Yeah. You want to hear about it? You're not going to get me off yeah, my CBD yeah. stuff. I'm yeah. not going to hear about it. So I'll try and be really quick with this because um, I know you guys are limited on. Time. No, we're, we're doing okay. So there's a compound called NAD. Uh, it's NAD, so nicotinamide. Um, is the short for it, but it's actually nicotinamide adenine dionucleotide, right? This is a naturally occurring substance in your body. But what happens is you need NAD in order for it to convert to NADH. NADH is what fuels your ATP. Your ATP is the powerhouse. So think of it as that is what... Triphosphate. (laughs) Nice, dude. (laughs) That is what actually powers your body. It gives you the energy that you need. Well, they found out uh, a long time ago that your NAD levels are the highest at birth. And then as you age, those get less and less and less. So now you have all these free floating electrons that have nothing to attach to. So then that conversion can't happen. We put that NAD in your system and now it can attach to those electrons and convert and then feed. And what they found is NAD is really good at higher levels for traumatic brain injuries, for stroke patients. I need this. Uh Uh-huh. And then for what we do at the lower level, you have anti-aging properties to it, which they're significant because it's been proven to lengthen your telomeres and your telomeres is what ages you. So that's why your highest levels are as a baby. And over time, as you age, you have less NAD floating around. And they also found out that by doing that, you're removing that brain fog. So super busy business people or just on the go people are finding huge benefits with you know, being active and being more productive with work. I mean, I'm sold. Let's go. Uh-huh. And then what I love about it is it resets your circadian rhythm. So, which is your sleep cycle. So I have always, because I've been doing what I've been doing for as long as I have, I've always had issues with sleep. Mm-hmm. NAD is the only thing that has completely changed that for me. I'm one of those that, you know, taking melatonin or any kind of sleep aid, it just doesn't do anything for me. But NAD has the ability to almost tell your mind that you're off shift, it's time to sleep and get good sleep. So everybody experiences experiences different things from NAD, but it's always going to be one of those, you know, five or six things. It's just what your body actually needs. So if you need that boost in energy, it's going to give it to you. If your main issue is sleep, it's going to help you with that. If it's an anti-aging, get rid of wrinkles, you know, make you feel youthful again, it's going to do that. about this gray in my beard? Does it turn brown again? 
Biotin. <laughs> Dude, actually, biotin will help your hair grow thicker I, and stronger. Dude, my hair started falling out when I was like 19. <laughs> just for men, bro. Yeah. Come on. I told my boys that, like, so supposedly it's the maternal grandfathers where males get their hair from. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if that's true or no, not. No, it's bullshit. Both of mine had full heads of hair. Right. Well, maybe. I mean, there's other influencing factors too. But, like, all the men on both sides of my family are bald. Yeah. Right. My wife's dad is bald. So I told my boys, I was like, look, dudes. Odds aren't good for you. Nope. Take care of that shit. <laughs> nope. Hey, plus, and then I, wo- a I wore a helmet for like, played football in Florida. So it's like all half the year. And then went straight into the fire service and wore a helmet for another 14 years. Yeah. And then other like construction and tree work jobs. It's like, yeah, just worn a helmet. People say that messes it up too. I don't know. Yeah. I just accepted the inevitable and started, yeah, started shaving my head. Shaving yeah. my like yeah. good. 25. Good yep. Fully endorse it. Yeah. I love it. Um, how, what's the, what's the optimal schedule to take or NAD? You can do it a, a couple different ways. Um, obviously infusion wise is the best, you know, we get a lot of clients that come in and say, you know, I, I bought this $200 pill bottle of NAD and I didn't notice a thing. Okay. Well try an IV and it's a game changer. The pills don't work. The patches barely work. Um, there's some nasal sprays that they have out there that are supposed to work pretty well. I've never tried them myself. But IV infusions and injections of it work extremely well. And you can do a couple of different things. You can either come in and get an injection every couple of weeks, or you can have a certain amount added to your nutrient bag, so your nutrient infusion, or you can do the best of everything and do an actual protocol of NAD, which is four infusions over the course of a month, so one per week. And then you don't have to have it done till the next year. You just come in oh. for maintenance dosing every once in a while okay because what we're trying to do is get those levels of NAD so high that it takes a while for it to de- de- deteriorate and if you're keeping up on that maintenance plan then your levels are always staying high awesome my my yeah. wife's had she's done NAD recently and uh through IV and she said it was she has brain fog and mm-hmm. TBI a while ago now but uh she said it was amazing yeah she walked out a whole different person yeah Come, yep. I'm coming to see you because I've got the sleep stuff Obviously, then just general physical trauma. Yeah, tons of random. We should do it together. Injuries. We'll come in and make videos. And then <laughs> I've also had eight or nine concussions. A couple of them were like really severe. Yeah. So me too. Should go do it. Maybe that's part of my problem. Seth and I have both been uh, beaten unconscious twice. Strange. Yeah, yeah. Um, good times. That, uh, that's actually a good segue. Little known fact: Eric is a black belt in jujitsu. Oh, we did not get beaten unconscious at jujitsu. No, 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 no. no that <laughs> I was, would hope that not. was previous. That was previous. Um, now so, going unconscious in jujitsu. I mean, that's different, right? That's different. Been there. Uh, how the heck did you find time to train with everything else you do? Because I love it. Yeah. Um, how long have you been doing it? I've been doing jujitsu for sixteen years. Whew. Yeah, long, long that's road. A long time. Um, I initially got into it because, of course, like most people, I thought I was tough. Um, you know, I got in a lot of street fights in my younger days and, and went, you know, hey, you know, let's look into this MMA thing. Mm. You know, I think cage fighting would be pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Did you ever rock the Boss Rutten VHS? Or I did not. Oh, we did, did that. Not. Back. So much fun. No. Good old Boss Rutten. So I jumped right in. And, you know, a lot of it was because I, I wanted to make sure that I never went back to my old life. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always really been hyper focused on being on that right track. And I knew MMA and Jiu Jitsu would keep me from doing stupid things to my body so i jumped right in um did the whole cage fighting thing wasn't really good at it i'll admit that 
um, just couldn't get past the fact that I was punching or kicking somebody that I didn't even know. Mm. I had nothing against. Mm-hmm. I wasn't wired that way. I didn't have that switch like a lot of fighters do where they can just completely detach from personal. Um, so it always drove me nuts. So I, I never really wanted to go down that path. So I, I jumped real heavily into Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And that's been my thing, you know, whether it was competing in it or, or teaching or just rolling, it's what has kept me almost sane. You know, I have two, I have really two things in my life that allow me to decompress. One is jujitsu. The other one is fly fishing. Ah. And it depends on what I'm dealing with, uh, is what I need. So obviously fly fishing, we can only do in the summertime. Um, so in the wintertime, I just focus all my efforts into, either getting beat up or beating someone up in jiu-jitsu. You I, mean, that's I doubt there's lots of people. There's not many people that beat you up. No, he's beating you up no, quite a few times. No. Yeah. Um, but it's been a long road uh, to where I'm at. You know, it, it takes, most people, it takes, you know, eight years to get your black belt. Uh, it took me twice that long. And a lot of it was, you know, moving schools in between, changing of schools and uh, injuries, of course. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't really know what I would do without jiu-jitsu. I really don't. I I love everything about it. I don't necessarily like the injury injuries because mm-hmm. I'm definitely plagued with injuries. But when I have taken some time off from jujitsu, my injuries got worse. Um, interesting. Yeah, really interesting. Uh, you know, my herniated discs in my neck would just start flaring up more and more often. Um, all the the past injuries, uh, you know, from competition would rear their ugly head. Where if I just stay 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 consistent, then I I, I stay more limber. And I don't think about everything that hurts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's I've been not going for a few months now because I have some old injuries flaring up. Yeah, like one it's a I have a neck thing going on. My whole shoulder and arm go numb and random. And a few times at jujitsu, it's fired that up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would just lay off of it until it goes away, and then I go back. Yeah. So you said should not do that. Power through it. I mean, you don't have to take my word for it. I mean, everyone is different. I I know I've had multiple surgeries. I usually just jumped right back into jiu-jitsu. My most recent one is I had had my thumb completely reconstructed from jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. And, you know, against my surgeon's orders, I was back within a matter of weeks. Um, now, granted, it was all, you know, in a, in a sling and a brace and everything else, but um, I just can't help it. So what that did for me is it gave me the motivation to – Learn jujitsu without a hand. I think that's when I met you, and I still couldn't beat him. So yeah, there you go. One-handed Eric kick your ass. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool. I, I believe it. <laughs> it's it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I mean that that's jujitsu. I mean, if you're doing any kind of combat sport like that, you're gonna have injuries. You're gonna yeah. have messed up ears. You're gonna have joints that you know are aching all the time. But well, I, my thing's been I've been more trying to figure out what's causing it. Yeah, and I haven't been. I haven't had like a. A CAT scan or MRI or anything done. So I, need, I need to go have that done to see what's actually going on. Then I can develop a plan with somebody to kind yeah. of figure it out and work around it. Maybe get surgery, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, well, it's not like we're young. No. No. <clears throat> as far as combat sports, though, and longevity, I'd say it's the best. I mean, if you're into kickboxing or cage fighting or anything else. Oh, I enjoy the shit. You get some gnarly injuries, too. I mean, yeah. I, that's what I like about jujitsu is like, I can do, I could do this. For a long time, I've decided know? I'm going the old man route. Like, yeah, you, you're slow. smart with your training partners, and you know who you can roll with, and not, yeah, they're not going to be stupid. Don't go yeah. with the big gorillas. And there's no reason you couldn't do this into your 70s. Yeah, what I'm trying to do is, 
always stay active. You know, I, for years, it's always bothered me when I would see a black belt who wouldn't roll with his students. Now I'm finally starting to understand why. Um, it's from the years and years of abusing your body to where when you finally reach that point, it's like everything hurts. And so you're worried about, you know, that career ender injury. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're, if you get your black belt in your twenties or your early thirties, you still have a long time to roll live and, and ruin yourself. But the older you get, the more cautious you are, especially if you have a career like mine. Um, but I just, I, I keep on reminding myself that, you know, I don't want to become what I used to hate. And that was a black belt that everybody wants knowledge from, but isn't willing to roll with you. And so I roll with everybody that I can. It doesn't matter how hard we go. Uh, I try and stay competitive. Uh, that way they can under- understand how I move, what I do. And, and that's a better learning experience for them than me showing them something. Mm-hmm. You know, Cause that's how I learned is, is when I did have the opportunities to roll with a higher belt, I learned so much just from their movement and, and wondering how they were so calm in that position. And the next thing I know I'm having a tap cause they're choking me out. And you know, that's how you, a lot of people learn. They don't learn by this is what you do in this situation. Now go. Doesn't so work. Doesn't work. No, doesn't work. It's gotta be live. You know, yeah. who I love to roll with the most Matt, <coughs> Matt B. Yeah. 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 Cause he's, chill. he's, he's got a, he had his entire shoulder rebuilt and he's got like a, he's not that mobile in there. So he, <laughs> he takes it pretty slow and I take it slow and it's like, all right, yeah, yeah. I, can, I can do this. Yeah. I miss rolling with that guy. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of value in that. Like, and I noticed, I'm noticing now, uh, as your belts progress, people headhunt a little more. Oh, absolutely. So, but it, but it's good. It makes you have to kill your ego even more so because if I try to fight that too much, you know, that's, that's how I'm going to get injuries. I just have to. You've noticed a change since your purple belt? Oh yeah. Immediately. People are coming after you. Yeah. Start skipping warmups and. Uh, Oh, I also love rolling with Eric. Eric's a great teacher. Yes. Um, Yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess in my own mind, like I've, I, I recognize when people are um, less experienced and I take that time to like coach them while we're rolling. Um, And then, you know, rolling with people that are more experienced or equal and letting them, I I guess, I guess I'm trying to say like, I let my ego go and like, if if they get tapped, I get tapped. Yeah. It's all good. I mean, there's a trade off in jujitsu. You know, you, you always can't go in with the mindset that anybody who has a lower belt than you, you have to beat. That's it. Because you're training these people, you're teaching them eventually they're going to catch you and that's a compliment right i've rolled with a few of those guys i won't do it again yeah like higher belts i just want to (laughs) fucking crush you because they want to yeah it's like hey it's no fun i'm I'm, I'm new yeah i I literally don't know anything how about you yeah like teach me something yep yeah it's not fun no there's way more value in that and in the teaching and i enjoy that more too like it's yeah it's also not fun to go just choke someone 10 times in a row it's like yeah what are we even doing here i mean uh, in reality, like if we were fighting for for a fight, right? There'd be a lot more going on than jujitsu, and yeah, you'd be like, I'd win. Yeah, you'd be I'd, I'd picking like people up, gouging eyes, and biting, and all the you'd, you'd break out shit. prison rules, wouldn't you? you would. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm serious. I've I've been I've had my ass kicked plenty yeah. of times. I'm I'm not playing around. He's from, he's yeah, from, he's from Florida. It's kind of thought you know I was a little worried when I walked in here. I mean, I see these. Two big dudes, you know, bald heads, beards, and I'm like, All right, do we need, do we need to establish prison rules here? I don't like fighting, <laughs> but if, some, if somebody's actually assaulting me, yeah, like jujitsu is not. 
It'll be part of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, that's, that's I'm, valid. I'm not going to stop until I'm not being assaulted. Yep. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> the gauntlet has been laid down. There it is. Don't bring it out. Um, maybe this would be a good time to kill it. I think so. I, I got to run. Doing, oh, yeah. You're running? Um, Where are you going? No, no, I got doctor's appointment in an hour. Oh. Yeah. So. You got to go with some NAD. No, but I'm going to do that, too. I'm going to yeah. get sign up. Just go on your website and sign yep. up. Yeah, or website. call the office. Cool. Or call drop the, the Drop the website. IVNV. Dash CDA. Spell it. Dot com. So IVNV, we actually did a twist. So it's actually just the letters. So I-V-N-V. Oh, that's pretty easy. Uh, yeah. Dash CDA, CDA. Dash CDA. Dot com. Dot com. Cool. Yep. Like I said, social media, IVNV, CDA. Um, we have a great media guy who does some epic pictures. He's a local guy. Uh, so we, we try and keep everything on point and educational and do a lot of giveaways. Um, yeah, it's just a cool company to be with and would love to have you guys stop by. Sweet. Yeah, we um, will do that. We will definitely do that. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you for uh, taking the time to share with us. That was some good knowledge, man. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Hopefully, I wasn't too boring. <laughs> no, that told was, you uh, I might be. Cool. No, that was really good. <laughs> you need yeah. to come back and join us. <laughs> yeah, we'll get you back again. We'll, All right, uh, sounds good. Share some more stories. Oh, there you are on Instagram. Oh, yep. Here you found it. I V N V C D A all straight through letter I letter V letter N letter V C D A on Instagram. Yep. That's Ida Boom. Victor. Victor, Ida, Victor, Victor, Nora, follow Victor, you now. Charles you do have great pictures. You got a good media person. Yes, we do. It's bright and clean, and it's, it's inviting. Yes. Well, on that note, right. thanks, guys. Thanks, Eric. Yeah, anytime. Bye. Nice, nice to finally meet oh, you. Wait, <laughs> nice to meet you, you too. Bye. Okay, now we're done. Bye. <laughs>